This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Obviously on Homestale Radio. I'm scrolling down my Twitter feed now to look for your full word reviews because no one has put them in my show document. Yes, there was. There's one. There's one. It's yours, and I'm not not reading it out. Alex White said, does Alex Ferguson play 3-5-2? He probably would do nowadays. Um, but the fact is that Ferguson signed Wilfred Zaha, and I don't think he would have signed Jason Punchin. Therefore, I think Wilf's a better player than Punchin. That is good logic. And I, I like that. Do you like that? <laughs> you like that? See how I simplify things? <laughs> that as well. For all our contact information and to send us an email, visit H. Radio.net forward slash contact. Good evening and welcome to Homestay Radio. I'm your host, Chris Hambling, and I'll be guiding you through our review for the last seven days for Palace, which culminated in yesterday's 2 1 defeat to Chelsea. With me tonight are Alex White. Hello. Hello. Mark Ross. Evening. Evening. And Joe Holyoke. Hello. Hello. Uh, the referee has dominated discussions on Twitter and the message boards. We'll be giving that our full analysis as well as looking at the team selection, substitutions and key passages of play. As ever, we want your opinions too, so if you find yourself enraged by an opinion from one of the panel, probably Joe, uh, you can get in touch t- on Twitter at HOL Radio. Uh, you can email us using holradio.net forward slash contact. You can uh, message us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash HOL Radio or visit holradio.net slash chat. Uh, chat during the show uh, but first up a confusing news in brief all the latest news from around Selhurst Park this is news in brief young Eagles defender Ryan Innes has joined League One side Yeovil Town on a one month loan deal centre back has made five appearances for Palace's under 21 side already this season scoring once against Corel Alexandra last month and will continue his development at Hoish Hoish Park? Hewish. Until the Hewish. I don't like it. Until the middle of November. Initially signing for a month, Innes could play in as many as five games for his new side over the course of his stint in Somerset. <laughs> Palace pair Neil Warnock and Mile Jednak were nominated for the Barclays Premier League Manager and Player of the Month awards respectively for their efforts during September. Warnock was up from the manager accolade after keeping the Blues unbeaten. Who put the Blues unbeaten? Um, I don't know. 
keeping Palace unbeaten during his first full month in charge, which began with a 0-0 draw with Burnley, followed by a fine 3-2 victory at Everton, and accumulating a convincing 2-0 win against informed Leicester City. Eagles captain Mile Jednak was also in the running to pick up the prize for his form during August, after scoring two goals in successive games and playing an influential role in the middle of the park. The Australian international... Who put Austrian? Who's changed all of this? Probably Mark this, Ross. Probably. The Australian international scored from the penalty spot uh, in the victory at Goodison Park and then headed home the second goal against Leicester City to double his goals from last season already. The eventual winners were Southampton pair Ronald Koeman and Graziano Pelle. Palace Academy side found themselves in 7th heaven last weekend as they thrashed Barnsley in their latest under-18s professional development league outing to get back to winning ways. Michael Phillips scored a hat-trick, Mandela Egbo hit a brace with Corey Andrews and Jacob Berkeley Akupong scoring one apiece to complete the route. News in brief. Get in touch with the show. All of our contact details can be found at holradio.net forward slash contact. Hmm. Well, according to our playback, it sounded a little bit like some of us were rapping during that. I can assure you there will be no rap, deliberate or, uh, well, deliberate rap anyway. Silence. Radio. Yeah, all right. I mean, if you want to go down that route. Oh, just click something on my screen that's broken it now. Anyway, that's a good good way to start the show. I don't know what I've done there. Um, <clears throat> so, let's uh, get straight into the match review. Uh, so, obviously, game ended 2-1 to Chelsea. Uh, a lot of people very angry about the game for a variety of reasons. Some critical of the way Palace played. Most people critical of the way the referee handled the game. Um, but as ever, we'll start with the lineup. Um, one of the biggest sort of uh, discussion points pre-game was who was going to come in and replace Dan. Quite a lot of people, myself included, were hoping that Kelly would move into the centre of defence, and you would see Friars given a chance at left back and Ward move to right back, or a push for Marietta to go in at right back and Ward to play left back with with Kelly in the middle. But instead, uh, Neil Warnock brought back Breda Hangeland. Uh, um, hmm, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was a bit disappointed, if I'm honest, to see Breda start. I, I, I do think he was good maybe sort of three years ago. Um, and having him and, and Delaney together at centre-half doesn't bring the most pace, uh, if I'm brutally honest. Um, and it was, it was, you know, I actually think he had a really good game. I, I think he was fine. But yeah. st- I did want to see Kelly come to centre-half because this thing for me that Neil Warnock is comp- completely persistent that Kelly as a right back is absolutely beyond me um, he stands centre half for, for 80 minutes of the game so why not play him there um, it's, a, it's a difficult one to, to call really I don't know I, I just I actually had the same thought when I, I saw um, I saw the headline of Warnock says Kelly is, is ready to go, you know to reclaim his England place and I thought oh brilliant he's going to be talking about the fact he moved into the centre defence and looked like an absolute natural in there uh, and then I read the article, and he was talking about him as one of the best right-backs in the league. And it's like, well, yeah, Ward's one of the best right-backs in the league as well. So He's not the best right-back in our squad, Chris. Yeah, um, I, I think Kelly's been, I have to honestly say, Kelly's been superb at right-back, I think, um, and has got better with every game. But I still think the level he's at is below the level that Ward had got to in that position. Um, and I, I just think Kelly's crying out to, to, to move over to centre-back. So it's an interesting dilemma for the manager, but he clearly sees it that way. He clearly sees that the right-back position is Kelly's to lose rather than anyone else's to win. Um, and that means Ward will have to 
be content with being a left back and focus on getting better in that position while he stays at Palace. But we shouldn't forget that he's uh, yet to sign a new contract uh, and a contract is up at the end of the season. So that's definitely a bit of a worry there. But there we go. Uh, Hangler did come in and you're quite right to point out that he did uh, did play pretty well. Um, so, yeah, uh, again, I'd say, say in terms of the lineup, I was worried in, in that sense. Um, but it didn't quite pan out the way I thought it was going to pan out. Um, but when we talk about, obviously, Delaney's issues later on, how much that was caused by having Hangland alongside him rather than someone with a bit more pace and someone he's a bit happier playing with, I don't know. But um, that's, yeah, I suppose that will come up later on. So, uh, Mark, give you a chance to come in. You, you felt Kelly should have played the centre-half as well. Yeah, I mean, I was gobsmacked when I saw what the lineup was. I, it, it just seemed, it seems a natural um, position for him, uh, especially with uh, Dan out, and um, I, I couldn't understand it. I saw Mariapa up at Hull. I thought he played well at right back, um, and uh, I was just surprised. Uh, he didn't have a bad game, but he didn't really have a great deal to do because um, mm. mo- most, most of the match was played sort of in the middle of the park with not a lot going on at either end, really. So, um, yeah, I mean, I suppose if he's in the squad he, and, he, you know, we're going to have injuries, he's got to have some match time, I guess. That's the only only reason I can see why he'd start ahead of uh, Kelly at centre-half. But mm. there were other options, as you said. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, Joe, one of those was was Zeke Fryers, but not seen any real action, has he? Um, that's a bit of a mystery for, for me. We play... F- best part of three million quid for, you know, supposedly one of the best left backs in the country. And um he's not even getting not even getting on the you know, he's not getting any game time. Um it would it would it would free up Ward to go to right back his natural position. And then like you say, Kelly, who is you know, and he's quality and he can move along that back line. Um I, I football's obviously massively more complicated for for uh, the people in charge, and it is for us watching. I don't, it, it, misty, it mystifies me. It, I suppose it, you, you do get that, but at the same time, it, it, there's a lot of this going to happen, in, in, particularly when you've lost a game, is that people always do this thing where they look at it and they go, okay, well, that didn't work, or we didn't get a good result for that, so this other thing that, was, that we should have done, that could or could have done, would have, no. would have been better, wouldn't it? Uh, so, well, can I, sorry, can I come yeah, on. I, I just, I just want to be... I just, I, I said, you know, I, I like to simplify things, right? Mm. Now, Punchin is left-footed and he plays on the right. Yannick is right-footed and he plays on the left. Ward is Ward. right-footed and he plays on the left. Mm. Fries is naturally left-footed, left-back and don't play. I just, I'm just, I'm trying to simplify things that we're paying a lot of money to these yeah. players every week. And if they're not in their natural positions, surely we can't be... I don't we know. If you, getting the best out of them. We can't you, be. You, you say that, but then Chelsea's left back was is a right footed Aspilicueta. So you know, it, Aspilicueta is quite absolute world quality. Every yeah. single one of their players is virtually world class. Every single one of our mm. players is is average Premier League. That's what we got to look at. I'm I'm not moaning about the result, Chris. Right? What mm. I'm moaning about is our setup. You know, I, I mean, yeah, yeah, they go on about okay, players okay. being tired. Wolf. Well, I wasn't Wolf playing mm. this at the end. No, listen, I'll, I'll agree with that. I don't want to get too far off what we're talking about in terms of the selection. So I'll take you back to the point that you're making. You're so, so you're saying that, it, and it's still valid to my, my, what I was saying before. I was saying you're saying that Punchin's left-footed, so should play on the left, right? He, here's my my reaction to that. What if Punchin doesn't play as well on the left? What if he plays worse? What Barry if the Bannon. end result was worse? Yeah, Barry then, you, then yeah, then bring Barry Bannon. But but what if Punchin's 
arguably more effective playing on the right than Barry Bannon is. Punchin's a winger. Right. Punchin's a winger. If he goes down the left wing and crosses mm. with his left foot, it's his strongest foot. Yeah, but he doesn't. He d- he's not a winger. He does the point. He's not a winger. Yes, he is. He, 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 every time he gets the ball, he cuts inside and he drifts he infield all game. Most of the game. But in the day, but he wants and Zaha are wingers. I don't think Punchin is a natural winger. He doesn't go past the last man and get to the byline and cross. When was the last time you saw Punchin go to the byline and cross the ball? He's not, he's not a natural crosser. I understand what Joe's saying. Joe's saying that if he was playing on the left, then that's how he would, he would do that. But I, don't, I think he lacks the, the pace to get round a player like that. I, think, I, I, I don't think he's that type of wide player. I think he is a wide player, but he's not that type. And they're different yeah. types of players. Yeah, Chris, look at the goals he scored for us last season, all coming from the right, cutting in on that left foot and curling it into that corner. That is the type of player that Jason Punchin is. He's not a Balassi, he's not a Wilf, he's not your out and out, not the ball 20 yards and sprint after it. He's very good technically on the ball, best best winger technically on the ball that we have. You give him five yards and he'll score you a goal. Um, but he won't get past the last man, he won't get no, past no, no. the fullback. That's, the that's, fullback. What Alex, that's what Alex is saying. Yeah, yeah but that's Alex, what I, yeah. Go on. All right. Well, just to take that on. <laughs> um, look, I, all I'm saying is the the other the other side of this is if if we did switch that and we did do what Joe was saying, who is he crossing to? He's crossing to one man, Fraser Campbell. Fraser Campbell's good in the air, he, you know. He's got, he's, but he's he's not six foot four, and you know he's not sitting there sitting in the middle waiting for crosses all the time. Don't is he? Speak, cause he don't get any crosses. That's the point. Speak, we, free that's, for. that's the point I'm making, Joe. He's not he's not look waiting for crosses because that's not how we play. We're not playing that way, so why would you pick players to play that way? You, you pick Jay, we're picking Jason Punchin at the moment, rightly or wrongly. Personally, I totally agree that Will should be playing ahead of him at the moment on current form. But what I'm saying is that we're not we're not playing in a style that that we want to get this the winger the you know the wide players past that fullback and crossing whipping balls into no one. So that's what we don't want to do. Um, Go on, Joe. We'll just, just quick, Jason. I don't want to turn I don't I don't want to turn this into a punching because because yeah. you know what I think of him. I don't I I just. I don't see what other people see, but you know, but I don't want to turn this into into because we were talking about positions, so we can't yeah. just talk about punch and we got to talk about wall. We got to we got to talk about everyone. If we but we were on about four positions a minute ago and we've concentrated on punching. Yeah. I don't want to I don't want to beat up on him. I mean, it wasn't his fault. It took thirty two minutes for him to put a tackle in yesterday. I'm just saying, all right, because I was people watching. But what I'm saying is, is we we surely if the players are. are you know, they, they come through from academies and as kids playing playing in their positions. And then as soon as they break into our first team, they're like, it must turn them upside down. I, I, I honestly, honestly don't get it. And when we're not playing brilliantly, well, I can't see why you don't revert back to basics. I, I just, like I say, Gerald, Gerald, it's very, very simple for me. Gerald, mm. can I just say something? On, on this, I agree that, you know, players should be playing in their natural positions, but... These players are paid plenty of money, spend all week training. They should be able to play wherever they're stuck, basically. Obviously, they, they have preferred positions, and it's better to play a right-footed player, well, you would imagine, on, on the right side and a left-footed on the left side. But these guys should be able to kick with both feet and be able to play wherever they are. They're no, it's not the modern-day footballer. It's not no, it's, it's, well, you, yeah, but you say that, but, I mean, what do they do all week? At the end of the day, look, Jason Punchin... Don't you Jason Punchin, <laughs> the way that we play is so vital to us because he can come up with a goal out of nowhere. 
he's that one player that, you know, if it's not going well, he's that one other player that's going to score. I can't see Jason Punching <sighs> getting dropped. I'll, I'll take Joe's point on this because so, I need to move us on. I would just say that that's, that's true. That's true when he does it. But when he doesn't do it, he can become a bit of a liability. And yeah, because he's a luxury player, and that's and, the way he is. We struggled. Oh, we struggled yesterday, and when I when we've got options, you know, for people, and I'm not just saying that. I, I'm a big fan of Panchen, and I think if he's on form, there's few better in our team. And I know Joe disagrees with that, but I think in terms of technical ability, there's no, there's very few that can touch him. And one of the other only other ones that doesn't seem to be getting the game either, and that's Chamac. Who's got that same technical class about him? But the trouble is, when Punchin's ineffective, it, it's a big gaping hole in our team. Yeah, for ninety minutes yesterday. I tell you one: the only thing I I know you want to talk about Yannick, and we're going to talk. Mark's made some points pre-show as well that I want to go into. We'll, we'll move it on to Yannick. I think we can put, close the lid on Punch until next week. Um, <laughs> I'm sure he'll come up again. But um, so you take you take Belassi's uh, situation. Belassi yesterday was used because of two reasons: pace and strength. Uh, and that's what Warnock saw, and that's why he put him in that side. He was the only one who was able to f- really physically challenge the Chelsea back line. Um, and he was the only one who had any real raw pace. I mean, Campbell's quick as well, actually. Campbell terrorised yeah, Cahill. To be completely fair, Cahill had a real nightmare up against Campbell, but Campbell was a striker. I mean, in terms of coming from the midfield um, and, and supporting Campbell, because that's, that's the actual battle, isn't it? It's getting people up to support Campbell when he's up there on his own. And Yannick was the only one who was seem capable of doing that doing that because punching just doesn't seem to have that pace and to get up and down anywhere near the amount that Yannick does. Now Yannick clearly looked like a player who was sort of you know on another almost in an, on an, in another world at times because he's he's obviously had a long long uh, way to come in terms of travel, not trained much with the the team in a, you know in a, in a fair while. So and he looked like he was struggling, but I could tell you now Warnock picked him because he, he's strong and he's quick, and that's what we needed up against that back line. Alex, your repost? <laughs> no, I, you know, I just think Yannick's one of those players that, you know, people think it's controversial in what I'm about to say, but he's one of those players that he could, you know, he could tackle himself and the crowd will still applaud him. And, and he's a fan's favourite, and I appreciate that. But yesterday, he was absolutely appalling. And nobody, I, honestly, if you can find one good thing that he did in that game, you say, I'd be very surprised. You know, he had one chance towards the end to get through on goal, took a rubbish touch. That was the story of his day yesterday. And I understand he had a bad, you know, he's been out playing football in, in Congo or whatever. But constantly this season, he's made a lot of mistakes. And he gets away with things that perhaps Punchin wouldn't do because he's not mm. off, because he's a fan's favourite. And that's in my personal opinion. The, uh, Balassi this year, I said it to Joe in pre-show, that the best person to park to park to mark Yannick Balassi is himself because he tackles himself if it was me I'd just <laughs> let him do what he wants to do and he'll tackle himself and I'm a big fan of Yannick I, I love his work rate and things like that but Wilfred Zahar Wilfred Zahar is an absolute class above and that's not being horrible but there's there's a different class there's international top quality and then there's then there's that and that's that's just br- me being brutally honest and people aren't going to like it and accept it but I just think it's the truth no it's, it's, it's your opinion Joe you agree I'm just oh, going to okay. say. I'm just going to say yes. All right. Um, I don't. I yes. Last week I did say that I would, if I was going to drop one player f- uh, out of the wide players for Wilf, it would be Balassi. This week I've changed my mind and it would be Punching because I still think uh, Balassi has a lot to offer. And I just felt that. It, I just felt from the start he he was kind of onto you know on a hide into nothing because he you know clearly that length of time travelling and and the fact he's played a couple of games in the week. It's gonna, gonna, you know, gonna make it hard for him anyway. So, um, 
I don't know. I, I just think in terms of the way they affected the game, I thought Punchin had a shot and then might as well have not been there. And that's, again, that's not necessarily a, a direct criticism of any kind of effort or anything like that. I think he did put effort, the effort in, but it just wasn't the game for him. And it's strange because some, in the last season, he was quite often you know, the player in the big games who did have a real effect. And you think back to the, the games last season against Chelsea, he was quite, you know, quite a notable performer in those games, but he just did not have any effect on the match yesterday. And I think that's what you have to look at form and you have to say in the last two games, Jason Punchin has, has not had the best of times and Yannick probably hasn't had the best of times. So at the very least, one of those has to be under threat from, from Wilf Zaha but we have, uh, for we a ball's have... kicked. And then when Wilf came off the bench... He performed in a way that suggests that he's definitely got to be in the team next week. But we have players, we have a squad now that, that if mm. Wilf, if, if um, Yannick doesn't produce, then then Wilf can come on. If if uh, if Punchin doesn't produce, then Bannon can come on. This this we we didn't have this, we didn't have in depth in our squad, and now we have, and he's still not using it. I, 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 it confounds me. He's very How, he's very loyal to his players. So that's a, that's the thing about Warnock. He, yeah, he, what you got to do is go online, coat him off, get threatened to <laughs> get sued, come back to the club, and then plays and, and play him regardless. He's, he's, um, just not, he's, think, not, he's, not, he's not in any form. I, I think there's I, um, I think a lot of it's to do with uh, the situation that Warnock's come into the club with. I think he doesn't know the, the players who haven't been playing. I think if you, I think he'd probably admit that if you spoke to him. I think he'd probably say that he knows the most about the players who have played the most games. And you know, going out of the cup against Newcastle probably didn't help because he, that was the game where he tried to learn a bit more about other players. Um, and I think really, he doesn't know. He probably knows less about some of those fringe players than most of the fans. In all honesty, it's probably some of the some of the players on the on the fringes that that we've seen play more than he has. And, yeah, and that, that's the Chris, brutal truth. Chris, do you know what? As a Premier League manager. That's not good enough. No, me too. I agree. I agree. And the other thing as well, we don't have fringe players that have come in from, a, from our reserve and youth teams. All these players that we've got now in, in, our, in the 25 are, est- are established championship yeah. stroke premiership players. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've been in the premiership two years now, and that's half of our squad come from three quarters of our squads from last year. He would have been keeping an eye on us, especially if he has his soft spot for Palace, and he would have known about players like MacArthur being the best player, right. you know, one of the best midfielders. He knows all about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, right, no, to be a bit more specific about it then, for the system that we're playing, okay, uh, he might know a bit. It's about trusting people to do the job that they're asked to do. And he, what I'm getting at is if those players haven't played in that system, he's less comfortable trusting them to do what he's asking them to do. Uh, and I, I, know, I know what you're saying. I, I, and I kind of, you know, I kind of almost could argue against myself, but I just think it's all about at the moment. He he doesn't want to change too much too quickly because if he does that and risks risks losing the spirit and the togetherness and the you know and the cohesion that has actually been built up over the last few weeks. And let's not forget we had a, it was a difficult second half to watch yesterday, uh, and we've got to get we got to get into talking a bit more about it in a second. It's a difficult second half to watch yesterday, but other than you know, that point aside, we've actually done pretty well. And we did pretty well for quite a long spell against Hull as well. And before that, we had a great little run and we were playing really, really well and some nice football. So we shouldn't get too down on it and we shouldn't be making out... We can all sit here and pick holes in what went wrong, but, you know, it doesn't doesn't get away from the fact that we've actually been performing pretty well as a, as a football club based on, on what we are and who we're playing against. Someone just opinion. turned up in their racing car. Yeah, I thought you might be able to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> so Steve Parrish is visiting and his Ferrari is visiting the studio <laughs> pop in in a moment um, we had loads more to talk about there but we kind of covered most of it so um, that, that's, that's a little bit on the lineup. up um, 
<clears throat> had some contact in, which I'll get to in a moment. But let's just talk about the early, the early, the sort of early part of the game before before Chelsea scored. We'll, we'll end this little bit with Chelsea's goal. But before Chelsea scored, we had a couple of good, good little chances. Really, um, Campbell, like you said, Joe, was just giving giving Cahill a bit of a nightmare. Really, and we started. It was we were aggressive, weren't we? Aggressive and very direct in our attacking, wouldn't you say? Well, we we run at him, and no one, no defenders like being run at, especially with pace. And and he did, you know, he, he looked really, really good, Campbell. And for me, he was my, you know, he's my man. Of the match. I thought he his effort was was fantastic in that first half. And and to be honest with you, without his effort, we <laughs> it would have looked even worse. The first half would have looked even worse. Um, he does try and rush things. I think that that is his problem. I mean, he could have he could have got his head up a couple of times, but. You know, he had one one shot, which look, you know, come shot come cross. Um, but I, I was, I was, you know, I was really pleased with him. Like to give Kale to run around like he did, he made him look, he made him look quite poor, really. Um, you know, he's supposed to be international quality, Kale, but he, he made him look poor, to average to poor. Um, but yeah, no, I, it was all the signs were that we were gonna that we were gonna give him a good game. Yeah, um, I don't uh, think. I don't think that even died after after Chelsea scored either. But um, oh, certainly, certainly in that, you know, while we're talking eleven v eleven, and we we had them worried, particularly on the break, the break, and um, it's just it's just disappointing, really, that uh, we couldn't convert any of those chances. Mark, you were still raising the point of Campbell or Gale on that performance. Yeah, you know, is is I don't well, I don't I don't really know what to say. I've got a lot of time for Dwight Gale. Do you think he occupies a defence as much as Fraser Campbell does? Well, I, I was impressed with Campbell yesterday, and, and he has obviously scored, what, three and four, so I can't see him being dropped. But on Joel's point about he rushes things, I think, personally speaking, Dwight Gale is a more natural goal scorer. And to me, he's, he's you know, I, I would fancy Gale to score more than I would Campbell, if you see what I mean, if he's it was two like four, kind of one and one. And, and I think he, and he's a good reader of the game, and, and, I, and I th- Campbell's... It's all about work, really, and, and trying to get in the right place at the right time. To me, Gale is just a natural goal scorer, and he has finesse about him, and he just sort of drifts into the right places. And, and for me, he's, his, his natural ability is better than Campbell's. I'm not saying his work rate is maybe up there, but, I just, but I'd like to see Gale play as much as I'd like to see Wilf play, but I can't see Warnock dropping Campbell because anybody who scores goals is going to keep their place. I mean, that's just standard, isn't it, in football? Um, you know, uh, but but to me, I still I still think Dwight Gale is a more complete player. Joe, yeah, well, I, I, like you said, I, I agree with you, Mark. I mean, but the, the thing is with Gale is he's two footed and he's a near post striker, um, and Campbell doesn't go near post. He, he will he will just run in on goal and he won't change the line that he's running in on. So if the ball doesn't come to him, like. When the ball comes over and we've got a goalkeeper that's six 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 seven whatever he is, and then he leaps up in the air and he's ten feet with his leap and his arms up in the air, then you know. I, I said yesterday, I, I I really thought when I saw him come out and I thought he's an absolute giant. Um, you've got to put the ball on the floor, and and when we hit the ball on the floor, like Fraser when he had those chances, um, it, we looked like we were worrying him. But I just you know to be crossing and and floating balls up in the air. Uh, but anyway, yeah, going, going back to Gale, uh, well, I, I, yeah. would have, I would have Gale. I just think he's. I just think if we don't use him, I think we're going to lose him. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's probably going to be the case. I mean, yeah, he's got he's got to play. He really has, and he, you know he won't want to hang around a club where he's not playing forever. But at the same time, um, it's another one that I think 
I think he's had opportunities under Warnock, and I think and Warnock said something about him being told that when he when he joined the club that Gale was a bit of a you know a sixty minute player or something like that, or basically a sub, you know that you'd only get your best out of him for a short period of time, um, and I think that's not quite the case. But there's a, there's an element of truth in in how how much he's effective during a game. I think he, he is an out and out goal scorer. There's no two ways about it. But when you're playing a team like Chelsea. Oh, can you really have? You've got to have a Campbell, haven't you? You've got to have someone who's who's just constantly on every, you know, running around the pitch almost like a complete maniac. And Gale, yeah, but Gale doesn't really do that. I mean, he no, does chase the score. That's why Gale. I think I like to see Gale playing up with somebody else because yeah. you've got to have somebody else that occupies that back four. If you could Dwight Gale the ball on the penalty spot or the six yard box, you know, ten out of ten, that's going in the net. You know it is because he'll score yeah. your goal whenever he'll score one on the penalty area. Whatever he will score that goal. But he's not going to be one to occupy that back four, and and he wouldn't be able to. I don't personally believe he would have been able to to cause the threat to to uh, Gary Cahill that Campbell did yesterday. You know, he dropped deep and then came to him, and, and he just couldn't he couldn't keep track of him. He couldn't keep hold of him, and and I think that comes with playing in the Premier League for a long time. I think when yeah, you're playing the, against someone Alex, like that, the point is when you're playing someone like Chelsea or any of the top sides, you're only going to get like maybe two two chances in a game, and you've got to take him. Campbell had two chances. And he didn't hit the back of the net. Yeah, and, but would, and the point is, score. wait, 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 we wait. We did score, yeah. And would Gale get either of those, either of those chances the way he plays? I'm not so sure, Mark. Well, well, the, whole, the whole setup is um, is wrong because I, I said earlier that we like we when we're talking about punching. I said he's not a wide man. Zaha comes on, and then he does some nice wing play. He gets to the bar and pulls it back. Campbell puts it in. Yeah, but but why didn't we try and do that from the start of the game? It was just like a containment exercise, and then we're one 0 down oh, after six whoa, whoa, minutes. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You, um, okay, right. Let's get let's get one thing straight. This whole, I, I hate the phrase. Why didn't we do that at the start of the game? People always do this, right? They go, you get you get towards the end of a game and the team just attacks. You think, oh, we should have done that all game. You know full well if we'd attacked like that we did in the last five minutes when Chelsea thought the game was dead. If we'd attacked like that throughout the entire game, we'd have lost eight or nine. Eleven on eleven as well. Could you imagine? Yeah. It's it's just, just you just don't do destroyed. it. You know, I'm not, I'm not really up for, for having stupid conversations, to be quite honest. It's, it, everyone knows that. It's a really lazy thing to say. All right, I've sh- got something that's not go lazy. All right, um, I, f- I think two chances with 28% of the play is, um, is quite valid. That's all I'm saying. We're yeah, a home team yesterday. We're 28% of the play yesterday. Who, who didn't 20. score, Mark? Campbell had his two chances. He scored. He didn't he score. Scored. No, in the first half before we were two nil down. Yeah, he had three chances in the game. Yeah, three ch- all right, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but the chances. What I'm saying is, we're not going to get many chances in a right, game like, what we're, like what that. We're, we're countering with, would we have even got those chances? Because those chances both came from Dwight, from a uh, Fraser Campbell chasing down a, a ball in a channel and, and making them for himself. Well, like, it was making the run from deep as well. Where cat, where. Yeah. Gale loves to play on the shoulder, and it's, it's, it's you can't you can't say if Gale was in that position, yes, he might have scored, but would he have been able to create that position for himself based on the way that we were playing and the team that we were playing against? And that's the argument. It's hindsight. Well, Nobody knows. Yeah. Who knows that? Nobody knows that. But that's the argument that you have to have. The, the anyway. thing with Gale, the thing with Gale, you have to put the ball either one of two ways: to his feet 
or over the top. You yeah. can't play it to his chest, not against people like Kale, because what they'll do straight away, they'll take the, they'll take the yellow card and then put someone else in him, and they will smash him to pieces. And it's exactly what happened at the, I think it was the Burnley game when he started, and they just smashed him up in the air. They took chance, they just took turns in kicking him, kicked him out of the game. He looked very yeah, ordinary. You got to pass it to his feet, or you got to hit over the top for him to run on. And I he think, is as quick as as Campbell. I think it's interesting, Joe. You bring that game up because I think that was the game that did him no favors uh, for, for starting under Warnock. Uh, certainly for the for the time being, and it was purely that he got a chance relatively early on in that game where he just that turned. Miss, and, wasn't it? Yeah. He smashed it over the bar, and it's like it wasn't it wasn't a terrible effort or anything like that. But but that was his moment in that game. And I think but he needed to be in, calmer there, didn't he? He needed to yeah. be more composed, and that would be the argument that, yeah, that you know if he'd been playing in the Premier League for X amount of years, you know, he would have slotted that away and been calm, whatever. Which I don't necessarily agree with, no. but I think that would be the argument from from the management side. Yeah, I just more mean that if he'd put that one in, I just think he, he would have he would have uh, well, Campbell wouldn't have got him out of the team quite so quick. But anyway, look, we got a little bit dragged into that. We've all got our opinions. Mark's got his opinion on on how we should play and what we should be doing differently, as does Joe, as does Alex, as a voice. So that that was. Of, of view on that uh, and we're only up to six minutes in the game where where uh, Delaney came out let's talk very quickly about the Delaney uh, challenge for that foul um, you will have different views depending on where you watched it I would say uh, Damien Delaney's view was very very clearly that it wasn't a foul um, was a foul I think it was both I mean, fouls yeah well, okay, we're talking about the one, the one for just before Oscar's free kick. Um, it was William, I think, who he stepped across. Uh, it was a late. I, I basically, he came in late. Now Warnock said he got a bit of the ball. I've watched it a fair few times, and he might have got a touch on the ball. Oh, it looked like, like he did for me. Part of his foot. I'm just not sure. Um, but he certainly took the play, and it certainly looked late to me. So. I don't know. I would be upset if that wasn't given for for us if it was up the other end. In all honesty, but go on. What, what what's your thoughts? Start with you, Mark. Thoughts on what? The, the, <laughs> what you mean? What on the free yeah. kick or on on his uh, on the challenge or, or what? Or what, or what the stuff well, I was where, just from where I was from where I was sitting. Stop shouting. From where from where I was sit, standing, it didn't look like a foul. And because their players were falling over left, right and centre like they were being shot yesterday, it was hard to tell what was a foul and what wasn't a foul, especially from the back of the stand. So, but to me, it looked like, a, it, it looked like a, a reasonable challenge. But, you know, I haven't even watched it back. So I only see it, seen it the once live at the game. And, I haven't, and, and that was my initial thought when I saw it. All right. OK. Um, Joe? Um, it, it was a foul, but it wasn't. Because the way the referee, the, the way the, the ball was going away and both of the players were facing away from the referee, the ball was masked. You could see that he did get a little bit on it, which is why he went mad at the free kick being given. But you're always going to get it. When, you, when it's us against them, when it's the little team against the big team, they're always going to... The other thing as well is they shout louder. They, they harass the referee. You know what Chelsea remind me? Do you remember when the, the league stamped down on Man United every time one of their players got kicked? They all surrounded the referee. Gary Neville, Skulls, all that. All went straight to the referee and got in his ear. And, and that's exactly what Chelsea do. Exactly. And that's, as soon as the second time... Because what he did, that was he got booked on his first bad challenge. He missed out another one. And then he got his second yellow for his third challenge. But he got the first. The first yellow he got really was was pro- mainly because he kept shouting back at the referee, 
um, don't talk to me like that, or don't talk to me. Or, but it was this, it was his face and the way that he was, he was so pumped up and that's why the referee gave it. Um, and then the second one was, uh, was, um, Fabregas and William, I think got right in his ear and went, uh, uh, not William, uh, Remy and went, that's his second yellow, second yellow. That's what they were shouting. And then the referee, he just, he sort of thought about it and then he went, yeah, do you know what? I bet, it, it just seemed to me, and then what he did, this is what I was so more annoyed about, is that when he when he gave him the second yellow, and then our players went to go, he went to go over when Jedi went to go over and confront him and ask him why, um, he he retreated to the Chelsea backline, like he was a Chelsea defender, and he was talking to their players, and I was like, I, you know, I. You can turn well, no, around and go. He did his job right. It was. It was definitely. They, they were two yellow cards. But I'm telling you now, the other way round, John Terry when he took out Campbell, that was a yellow in any any anybody's. It, yeah, it was. Joe, listen, we'll come. We'll come to that in a second. We've we've got our our section on that. I will just take a moment to say that. Um, obviously, the free kick was of immense quality. There's an awful, not an awful lot we can, we can do about that. There's no criticism of the goalkeeper. There's no criticism of wall position. There's no criticism of anyone. You just cannot legislate for that level of skill, unfortunately. Uh, it's, an, it's an awful place to have given away a free kick when they've got someone who can do that. But, um, but you know, you have, you know, fouls like that that can, can be given one way or the other kind of thing, they happen in every single game. But you don't always have someone who can step up and do that. I'm not sure we have. Uh, maybe Dwight Gale, actually. But I just think, yeah, it was it was a bad bad situation for us because we'd started well and you could see that the game plan would work in that we were letting them have the ball, we were going to frustrate them, we were going to give them very sort of little space. On, but, you know, we were also a real danger with a direct and aggressive attacking. But, you know, it wasn't to be. We, we, ended, up, we ended up going 1-0 down and for the rest of that half, I don't think we did quite well in not changing our game plan. Um, and, and just, you know, and it showed that, that, you know, we didn't really look like conceding any more um and, and we had chances to score so it's only the red ch- red cards that actually changed the game uh, go to some content now earlier on we were talking about Breda hangland uh starting and we've got a fair few opinions on that if i can find them um trying to do twitter and stuff all on my own today do you uh, want to look for them and i'll say something <laughs> you can say something yeah Right, I just I just want to say something about the Chelsea tackling, right? But and, and this is what he's, we've got one major tackler in our side. That's Jedi, and he what he does, he goes in, he takes the ball, and then he takes the man. Every single one of those Chelsea players, they're hundred percent committed in the tackle, and when they take the ball, they take the man. Now, yesterday, case concern was that Jedi nicked the ball over the top of Aspilicueto, and Aspilicueto went straight away for him. That was a terrible tackle. But if you look. They are committed in the tackle all the time, and they roughed us and toughed us the whole game, shook us up, and that set the tone for it. They were going to they were going to come to our ground, and they were going to mix it with us no matter what. And it wouldn't have mattered if they'd have had ten v ten v eleven; they still would have done us. Mm, that's a fair point. I mean, yeah, they they were they're just a very very good side, Jill, and and includes their, their ability in the tackle. They, you know, they're incredibly aggressive, and that, and Mourinho does that with his teams. That's why he's the manager he is. He doesn't just. It's not just about, you know, trying to. At times, obviously, they did, you know, pass us off the pitch and all that stuff. But they can do anything really, any sort of style of play, can't they? They can play that beautiful passing, almost Spanish 
of 2010 like football and they can also get really direct and kick lumps out of people if they need to uh, you know we did really well to contain them the way we did I have to say um, but going back to the lineup, there's a variety of views on the lineup. Um, but Johnny got in touch saying that Hangland did well, and considering the opponents uh, he had, uh, even and the fact he was on his own for pretty much the whole of the second half, which is a fair point. Um, Nick was just saying that in defence, will Paddy be recalled and then put God help us? Um, mentioned Shamak not being picked, which we'll talk about in a moment. Uh, Doug Tippett was talking about Friars said he was ripped to shreds in the League Cup and shouldn't start and then put said he thinks Ward will go in January if he's not happy uh, Ben Fleury just said Wilf needs to start um, <laughs> scrolling uh, yeah so Tony Johnson has just said Chamak Gale bench wasted, wasted. and uh, Ginger Nutter said that he'd like to see Punchin as a striker oh dear yeah. <laughs> oh really <laughs> okay um can I just say, if you're getting involved on Twitter, um, I've started getting some abuse from a Chelsea fan called Mitchell. Um, so if anyone <laughs> wants to sort of help with me um, by telling them that he's talking a load of rubbish, uh, you, feel free. Do you deserve so. the abuse? Well, he said, he said Palace fans upset because we showed them up in our own ground. Um, and I just went, well, to be honest, you're probably worse fans than Burnley this season. Um, and then he said, Christ, you talk some ass. And I said, OK, you've seen all the teams come to Selhurst then, yeah? And he said, look, there's no need to be defensive. Out of curiosity, where were you born? Was it South London like the rest of your fans? Hmm. Hmm. Um, I, I mean... Answers on a postcard. Yeah, I don't even know what to say to that. I mean... I, I do. You can't go... <laughs> I bet you do, yeah. <laughs> so you're not allowed to say it. I've got a... Uh, um, Gillard, Nick, turned yeah. around and said, Shamak, question mark, is he injured or out of favour? He'd be my first pick. Defence, will Paddy be recalled? Yeah, I Gold just said that. Gould help us. I just said that. Oh, well, whatever. But when you listen back to it, which you won't, you'll feel very sorry about that. Oh. Um, Did you imagine that next else, week, Hangeland uh, and Paddy send halves next week? Yeah. Uh, Dominico De Prospo has said that if we're to play punch and we should play him behind the main striker with Balassi and Zaha wide. Um... Uh, Mark Benici says that it's unfair to criticise Punchin on yesterday's game. Um, he, his goal has kept us up. Vanessa says well, Fraser we can't, can't really. we, we don't do that, though, do we? We're not going back to to what he did kept us up. We can't we can't do that anymore. We can't mm. be. Well, no, I think it, we think basically if you go back to I mean at the time I was just saying who, who do we drop? I think if you go back to what we were saying and then the, the point we're making is that Punchin kept us up. For the fact that he's, he can score goals out of nothing, most. And what we're saying is, if he can bring that, if he still can do that this season, it's still vital. Well, you know, we wouldn't have stayed up without some of the some of the work he put in last season. But what, I think what the point is, if he doesn't do that, which he hasn't, certainly in the last couple of games, he hasn't looked like doing that really. Uh, then, then it's it's fine to, to call into question his position in the team. I think Darren, I think Darren Ambrose scored a thirty-five yard screamer at Old Trafford. I still think he should be playing for us because he might be able to do that every game <laughs> or not. <laughs> Jesus. Well, no, yeah, I see what you mean, but I think yeah, yeah right back. He's got think, loads of goals for us. I think it's a bit more relevant to say that Punchin has had uh, effects. He's even played. He's played very well this season, Joe, in the Premier League. Uh, you know, so I think that's a little bit. I think it's a bit facetious of you to be like that, and you know, you're lucky I tolerate it. <laughs> <laughs> now, go Everyone, and everyone's, got, everyone's got an opinion. Yeah, everyone's got an yeah. opinion, and every opinion is valid, and I, I appreciate that. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Right, some right. of them are some of them are absolutely crap, but I'm, I'm just, I just, we can't, we can't do. Um, we can't, oh, I can't move on. We got to move on. 
Yeah, we had no sort of move on the show this evening. Uh, did I see who they would uh, who they would drop off, uh, out of Pelosi or Punchin to see you know to get Wilf into the team if that's what they want to do? Uh, pretty much uh, at the moment. Well, Tony Johnson says Punchin, uh, Mason De Rosario says Punchin all day been ineffective last few weeks. Um, Dave Lewis says Wilf should have started in front of Yannick because uh, he looked knackered. Chris Bateman says Punchin. Uh, Carl Babs says Yannick for all the pace and power. There's no end product. He's a headless chicken too often. Um, Jed Die says uh, it's hard between Balassi and Punchin. He'd drop Punchin to the bench and, tr- uh, and just to try, but Balassi hasn't been out of the best of games recently. Ugh. Um, and he also agrees with you, just saying we need wingers whipping the ball in. Maybe it's been missing. Uh, hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. But maybe they've been told to defend more. Uh, Doug has called me fat, basically, in not so many words. When we were talking about wide men. Thanks, He's Doug. He's right. He is right. He is correct. Does, Doug. <laughs> Although, because of illness, because I wasn't actually at the game, I had to watch it online. should be um, I, have lost, I lost £4 in a day. through um, that money out illness. of your pocket, laying on your bed with your trousers on? <laughs> <laughs> what a lovely image for the listeners. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, moving on. I don't know what's um, John Thurgood actually goes Shamak to come in for Fraser Campbell and Zahar for Punchin. Dramatic stuff. Uh, uh, Dave Lewis also uh, says that uh, No Hanglin had his knockers, but thought he did well yesterday. Uh, I think I think that's all I'm going to do. Go for for now. Uh, a couple of other people stand in the sun and. Dave saying that they would uh, drop Punchin as well. So it looks very much like people are going for Punchin as the one to miss out, which uh, there you go. Loads and loads and loads of contact. Thank you to everyone. We'll try and get to as much of that as we can as we go out throughout the show. But um, just to sort of round off that first half, I thought we did play really, really well during the rest of it. I thought, you know, Punchin did his, his one major thing. He had a good long range shot that Courtois sort of it stung his palms. He had to push it away, couldn't hold it. Uh, but uh, no one got on the end of that, and that kind of puts me into mind of what I felt that the problem was, in that once more, we couldn't, because of the way we'd set up, we couldn't get more bodies forward. And I think this is an ideal time to talk about Mario and Shamak and, and the midfield that we're picking. Um, you know, the McJedley midfield. Uh, it doesn't, the, without Shamak, who does the, the role of the attacking midfielder, but also gets back and tackles. And, you know, we kind of almost laughed at it at first in putting in tap challenges and getting back. And but he became incredibly effective at it last season and, and started this season doing the same job pretty well. Um, you would never say he's a better central midfielder than, than I think any of Jedinak, MacArthur and Ledley. But I think he does well enough coming back. And what, he, what he's got going forward, I think, just offers us so much more as an attacking force. And it gets people... You know, in, in sort of it gets people in sort of in and around that striker. And if you can imagine Campbell with a bit more support yesterday would have had an even 
bigger impact in my view because you know we'd have had, certainly had more shots and goal and various things like that so what, what do you think I'll start with you Alex um, is it time to break up McJedley <coughs> Alex is that Alex yeah gone? Chris oh, there he is yeah I'm still there don't worry I, I don't know is my, is my honest answer I'm not there in training every day but what I've seen from from the pitch I think I think when you're playing against certain teams yeah I, th- I think so I think you know next game we've got West Brom away um, and to go and play with those three I, I think would flatter them I think it would I think you have to get that balance between that gap that the number 10 slot there op- you know opens up we have yesterday especially there was, there was nobody in it um, but that has to be me you know, Shamak. Shamak has to be in there for me behind Gale or, or or Campbell. I don't think it matters who's up top there, but you have to. You can't. I don't think you can go and sit against West Brom. We have to take the game. And this is what I said all along. You know, we're, we're Crystal Palace, not Crystal Pulis anymore. And I don't think Neil Warnock can come in and try and recreate what what Tony Pulis did. So I think we have to come up with our own our own brand and style without changing too much. But we have to we have to change our, our ethos. You know, Crystal Palace's ethos by last season has never been to, to sit off, not that I can remember, apart from a few few years under Friedman. We need to get at teams and I think with Belassi, Wilf and, and Punchin and Shamak and Gale and Campbell we can do that and I think we should man up and do it. We've we've certainly got to find a way of doing that. And I know Neil Warnock is, is from his first period as manager uh, and I think even from some comments that have been coming out of the camp that he doesn't want to try and change too much too quickly. And I think he's very wise to do that because obviously that's pretty much where Ian Holloway fell over and and, and struggled because he, he wanted to change a team that had been set a very certain way to counter-attack. He wanted to change him almost instantly to become a attacking force. So you've got to kind of trust the manager to do that. And whether or not he's got the time and, and the resources to do that effectively, I don't know. But like you say, there's people at the club who can help him do that? And I think an informed Yannick on one wing and an informed Wilf on another wing would obviously appeal to a lot of people. And somehow having Shamak and Campbell or Shamak and Gale up front with with that as well, I think those that as an attacking four, if you like, would be would certainly do an awful lot at this level. With, I, I agree, you know, he shouldn't comments. change too much. I agree, he shouldn't change too much too quickly. But I still believe he has to bring his own brand. You, sh- you saw David Moyes go into Manchester United, and this and this is this was off topic maybe, but he went in there and tried to recreate what Ferguson did. He just tried to carry on where it picked up, and we can't do that because the exact same will happen. It would just he cannot live up to what Tony Pulis did. That time and that that place that was perfect for what we needed then i think now is a completely different situation and he should he should continue with with the way that we train things like that but i think he should tweak things and bring his own brand and style and different way he runs the club not overhaul it but but just be clever about it and, and shrewd about it and say look let's step up and do this rather than that um that's gone go on mark i was just going to say that I think um, Shamak should be playing. I mean, he's a, he is a class act. I mean, I'm not going to go on and on about how great he is. We've, we all know what he can do on the pitch. But how do you accommodate him in the system? And who do you drop is kind of my question. Because he's, he's, he's sort of got this three central midfield pair, you know, group trio, if you want, that he seems to be absolutely solid about. And yeah, that's what I'm saying. Someone, that's someone's got it. Yeah, he, but, he, but you say doing it very slowly but to to put Shamak in the team I think you have to change the whole setup and the ethos of the team completely because when you're playing with well, Shamak exactly the holes are being up played, Pulis played but with Pulis, yeah but Pulis isn't here now anymore is he and Pulis what I'm saying is War, Warnock Warnock isn't 
isn't like Pulis. He's very loyal to his players and the way he he sets out his team. And if they don't do anything wrong, he tends to keep them in the side. And this is why, you know, when you look at the bench and you see Shamak, Gale, Zaha all on the bench you, before the start of the match, you sort of scratch your head. And But to accommodate Shamak, he's going to have to change quite a lot because Shamak, you know, needs players that will... will um, support him and he'll hold the ball up and then he'll maybe spread out wide then we need the wingers to really hug the touchlines and so forth and we're not playing like that at the moment and I just wonder who you guys think should how how we should go about putting Shamak into that team it's, it's the big know, question know, isn't it yeah, but we know a four two three one better than we know a natural four three three. we did yeah, it last if you were if for the next game home game I'm talking about it's slightly different obviously when we're away but um you know, how would you set this, or who would you put into the team without disrupting it too much? Because everyone's saying, oh, we mustn't disrupt it too much. So I yeah, think we should go Ledley, in at... start my... Drop Ledley, start Shamak. You think, you yeah. think Ledley deserves to be dropped? You think right. Warnock will drop Ledley? Mm. Okay, first, first, first of all, MacArthur probably injured now, so we might get a chance to see, because uh, he went off with that thigh injury, didn't he? But um, I, think in, I think that you, get to, you do get to that point. I know Joe had quite a controversial idea saying in our chat here that he would actually drop Jedinak. Um, and can, have can, led, can, can I justify that, though, please? Yeah, of course you before, can. Because yeah. I know I'm going to get came for this, and I don't care. <laughs> I'll tell you for why. Because the, the Premier League have pretty much sussed Jedi out. Stick the ball up in the air, and they'll smash you. Stick it on the floor, and, and, and one, two round him, you ain't got a clue. Well, not, not, not he hasn't got a clue. That's being disrespectful. It, they're, they're better. If they, they can one-two it around him, and he isn't quick enough. Right? Yeah. I'm, the the I'm, other thing as well is for, for every header he wins, he, loses, he gives three passes away. And for me, I, I, I would have, if they were fit, I would have Bannon because I think he's, he is far more industrious, creative, and provides as good a service with his left foot that that um, that Punchin does, um, Ledley and MacArthur. That would be my three: Wilf and Yannick across there. But it, the, the thing is that they've got to they've got to come to the party. These guys, when you're playing a five-man midfield, you've got to have those, the wing backs. You've got to help in defence, and that's where Yannick. Sorry, you'd play you'd play wing backs, as in you're saying that Yannick and Wilf would be wing backs. We're getting overrun in the midfield. We had five in the midfield yesterday, and we were yeah. completely and utterly. And I'll tell you for why it looked like. I, I watched it again today, right? And it looked like that their one-touch football, right, took three of our players out because f- our central three they they were stuck in like in a little ten-yard triangle. That mm. one pass took all three of them out, and I was like, "Wow!" And if you look at their second goal, it was one-touch football. One-touch football completely undone us. It did, yeah, but but there's a there's a big big reason for that. Look, we're getting really bogged down in 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 some um, some fairly sort of uh, general stuff here. We're obviously trying to trying to go through the match and what have you as well at the same time. So I just want to move us on, traps, if we can, uh, rather than just sit here and talk about um, playing with Zaha and Yannick Balassi's wing backs. Anyway, wingers, wingers. Wingers. Yeah, wingers, not wingbacks. You called them wingbacks, and I felt. No, that. I did, I did, but they got oh, to help just, out. They have yeah, to help yeah, out. Yeah, that's yeah. the way. That's the way. The modern days, everybody but gets. Anyway, back. just there was still no Shamak in that um, in that lineup you gave there. I, I guess he could uh, come in for in Bannon's position if we were talking about that. But anyway, um, okay, that you know that's your view. Um, everyone's got different views. If you do want to slate Gel um, over that, he's at Gel the Caddy on Twitter. So mm-hmm. do make sure you let him know about uh, dropping Jednak there. Um, <laughs> 
I'm only messing. It's a, you know, it's not, it's not beyond the realms of possibility, is it? Everyone has to play well to keep their place, and everyone has to be effective in the system. No, it they don't. Be, it, it it mo- doesn't have to play well to keep his all place. All right, all right, all right. Jesus, fuck. Oh, I nearly swore there. You believe that? You nearly made me swear in your face. And Yannick, just to even it up. Sorry. All right. Yeah, all right, that's enough. Um, we did talk about the red cards a little bit earlier on, so I'll just say my piece on, on these and we'll move on because Joe, Joe gave a little bit of detail on these. But, I, okay, this is where it differs from being at the game to being able to watch it and replays. And I've had the opposite of this. Um, I've tweeted from the game and got dogs abuse for saying that was never a foul and all that. So was that even a penalty? It looked like a fair challenge and people absolutely slated me. And I've sort of said, you know, okay, you've got the benefit of sitting there and watching it on, you know, three or four different replays. I saw it once at the game from 48 euros back in the half away. So, all right, give me a break. Um, and I, I saw yeah, and drunk. Yeah, exactly. And I saw that the you know saw the opposite side of that this time round. Um, you know, I was sober and sitting at home watching uh, watching it on a, a stream um, in in high definition. And um, yeah, so the the I've got no argument on that. You can't argue with Aspilicueta's, um challenge. It was two footed lunge. Um, I don't think he was in any way malicious. He wasn't trying to trying to hurt Jednak. He just came sliding in from incredible distance. And it actually was wasn't too dissimilar to the one that Terry got away without even a booking for. Um, Neil Warnock suggesting he got away with it because the referee called him John. Which um, I think, but I think what Warnock's saying is absolutely right. You know, he's every he's every referee's pal. You know, he's a high-profile player, and he he got away with one. He definitely got away with one. Um, Only but anyway, single. <laughs> yeah, no, he'd quite. No, I knew he said something bad. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so again, again, Espelicueta, no, can't have no complaints over that. Uh, he slid in from a d- dangerous distance with a foot studs up anyway, and then brought the second leg through as he and connected nastily with Jednak. Um, so quite deserving of the red card in the melee afterwards. Fraser Campbell got, uh, he sort of tried to pull um, Fabregas away from the sort of the big uh, scrummer players, if you like, and just literally just put, it, put an arm on the shoulder and tried to pull him back. And Fabregas reacted very angrily, threw him to the ground. Uh, then the two sort of put their heads together and was, you know, were quite aggressive towards each other and got a yellow card each for that. But in my view, the actual shove to the ground from Fabregas, that's, you know, when you put that together with the with the handbags afterwards, that's a red card as well. And I do feel he should have gone. And I didn't think that that was picked up well enough on the coverage that I saw. And I think it was very, not been a lot said about it since, but I thought there should have been two reds in that one incident for Chelsea, in my view. So anyway, that gives us that lovely advantage. Um, but Delaney was a ticking time bomb. I think people knew that at the game as well as, you know, those of us sitting at home. And um, it was just a silly challenge. You can under, he got the first yellow card, not as as was mentioned again, probably as yourself, Joe, saying it. He didn't get that first yellow card for the challenge. He got that first yellow card for screaming at the referee, don't you talk to me, and whacking his finger at him. That's why he got booked. Um, and it was similar, the reaction to that second yellow card. Um, it was a stupid challenge. There was no need to make the challenge in that position. The irony of it being that, that Remy, Remy has actually got past him anyway. He shrugged off the grab, and he's actually still on his feet. And it's only when he goes past him that he decides to go down and give the referee that choice to make. Um, Delaney had been back chatting the ref already and did it again. Um, and then all of a sudden, that flood of players, Joe, that we talked about before, came steaming around, and, and it was the mind was made up, wasn't it? Well, yeah, especially when they're all in his ear. Mm. I, I mean, I just it, like I said, Chelsea are starting to remind me of Man United of 
of five or six years ago when you know when I just get in everyone's ear. And, but you know, saying that though, it was it was two yellows. Had it been the other way round, we'd have all been screaming. And I, I, I do feel it. Had it been the other way round, though, that it wouldn't have been a yellow card. But this no. this is about the the whole level of the refereeing yesterday. And the thing that gets me is that um, it's so divided. Like I was, I looked on social media afterwards, and some people said the ref had a good game. He got the big decisions right. Maybe he did. He uh, did, yeah. but his overall handling of the game, I thought, was atrocious. I do agree that both the red cards were red cards. I also think, though, that Fabregas for raising his hands should have been sent off. And I saw Ivanovic mouthing off to the referee. Uh, Hazard dived, I think, three times. Wasn't booked. Oh, yeah, and, you and, got and, and, Yeah, no, no. But this is why I'm saying, I mean, it's Chelsea, high profile, everything. But I just, I think the ref got so much wrong. He did get the red cards right, but I don't think they were particularly difficult. There were two bookings and a two-footed lunge. Even you or I could, you know, tell that those those were red cards. I mean, not I many people are going to disagree. But some of the decisions, like the fifty fifties and everything, it was just, it was just. I mean, I had to leave like my seat or from where I was standing and walk away from the game and go to the toilet just to get because I was so wound up by it. And maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just like biased because it was against us. But I, I was just, I was absolutely going ballistic in the stand. Yeah. My language was choice. Yeah, I, I think I think the referee was offended by the HF spanner about Abramovich. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there was a lot. It's, it's a lot of. I mean, I did want to talk about the um, the referee in a general sense a bit later on, but we might as well do it now because we've kind of gone on a bit and everything's all over the shop. So um, I do I do agree with what you're saying, Mark. In a general sense, he does he's deserving of criticism. There's little things like. He second half he came he came out at the same time as the Chelsea yeah. players chatting to him and you're yeah. just thinking there's no, not professional ju- is it? it's not professional it's not it's not he's definitely not neutral um, because he's he's palling up to you know to the big name players and you don't want to see that you do not want to see the referee being all sort of you know matey with with an op- the opposition team if he does it for both teams if he's all matey with both teams fair enough but. He doesn't. He probably never heard of some of the Palace players. He's honestly. It was that is the one thing I could say was not different from being at the game and not being at the game. I I could hear the crowd on the back of the referee long before he made any real mistake. Because um, because you know the the challenge. I still think the challenge for the original free kick that got Delaney so angry was a foul. I still think his first yellow card was a yellow card, and I think think his second yellow card was a yellow card, and I think he got the red card for Chelsea right. And I think he missed something when he's with his back turned uh, in not sending off Fabregas. So in all those things, I, I wouldn't really have too much criticism. But really, what followed, and particularly in that in the second half, was incredibly demoralising for the Palace players because they'd already had that blow of Delaney being sent off, and and they then they just they did not get a decision after that. And so any fifty-fifty, the whole game went the way of Chelsea, but, and that's and that's someone who and you could, if you asked the referee, he probably wouldn't know he was doing it. You probably wouldn't realise that he was influenced by the by the Chelsea team, and you've seen referees get influenced by a crowd. But when it's a, when you play a big team, we saw it all last season. Referees get influenced by a big team. Someone actually tweeted in. I forget who, and I'm really apologise. I can't I can't credit you for it. But someone tweeted in to us uh, during the course of the game and actually pointed out that our last few red cards. I think he said they've been against Man United, Chelsea, and Arsenal. 
Um, and just just to just think about that. Think about the fact that when we get players sent off, always seems to be against a big team. Um, you know, I think there's a there's an element of, you know, there, well, there's something there, isn't there? It just it's not yeah. not a coincidence, is it? And other smaller teams, so-called, if we call them smaller teams, uh, would say the same thing. You know, the the West Broms and the Stokes and the, whatever, the Sunderlands of this world will probably all all uh, say that they've been harshly treated when they've played, you know, a top four yeah. side. <clears throat> I mean, I think there's a difference between poor refereeing and, uh, and biased refereeing, whether that bias is unintentional or not. Now, I'm not suggesting there's any intentional bias from a referee. I could probably get into legal trouble if I did. But I do think there's an un- unintentional subconscious level where a big name player or a big or a big team or you know even potentially a particularly um, you know aggressive and intimidating atmosphere can influence a human being in their decision making, and I think that's what we've seen. Does that does that give me a, give me a trouble? Okay, but as you said, I, I it was think, very frustrating. Wasn't I it? think I think Gary Monk turned around and said today um, that, that the referee had cheated. Um, not cheated, but his decision was was so poor that um, you know the, the player had cheated and dived, um, and, they, and they they felt cheated. But I mean, listen, we can all be moaning about 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 what went on yesterday, but you could be like one of my mates and could be a Sunderland fan, and I'm going to see him tomorrow. Or Millwall or Brighton. Well, no, Charlton. just no, because they got beat eight 0 yesterday, and we never we got beat two ones by the champions elect. So. Second half, anyone? <laughs> Four five zero. Yeah. Eh? Oh, it's atrocious, Four, wasn't it? Four five zero. How deep did we sit? It was just. Uh, okay. Well, we, well, I'm going to take a photo. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> can I, let's uh, let's try and get a bit of perspective in this first. I'm going to tell you what I think from watching it at home, and then I'll let you pick me to pieces. Um, right. When when it, it's ten v ten, right? So I think to a point, everyone's got it in their minds that well, it's 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 even, isn't it? It's level. Same number of players on each team, so we should see effectively what we saw in the first half. We should see the same thing. Um, and the reason we didn't is Chelsea players are much, much better than ours, in all honesty. Yeah. Um, they can pass the ball, and that's every player across the back line. They've got no one on the back line like we have who pretty much have to hoof the ball if they get put under pressure. Um, They've got we you know we've got we've got decent players but people like Yednak you put him under pressure on the ball he's not someone who can knock round playing ticky tacker all the time is he them their their second goal sums it up they could they just there was nothing we did in that that was was wrong in any real way now everyone followed their marker everyone did the everything they could initially you know within reason but the movement and passing was just on a different level to Palace and that's why they scored that goal and. I don't see what I honestly don't know what we could have done any different. And so I've said this in my notes. Sometimes you just have to step, sit back, and admire the, the talent in an opposing team. And that second goal for me was just something you have to sit back and go, okay, fine, we couldn't do that. You can, fine, do it. And that's why they've spent all that money. That's what you know. That's what they spent it all for. Joe, do you ever see them? Do you ever see uh, before the game starts and at half time when the subs come out and they stand in a circle and they eat it to each other one touch? Hmm. That's all Chelsea yeah. did yesterday. So, so what? So what we can do is when when the pressure's not on, we can do it when we're with our little mates sitting in a circle. We can we can do one touch, and we can ping balls really hard at each other 
when we're messing about to try and mug your mate off when you're practicing just before and, and, and at half time. Yeah. The, the other thing as well, right? What what really really started to wind me up is, and and, and again, Chris, this is this is what you you're saying about the, the class or the difference in class is that when Speroni picked the ball up, Kelly was um, walking upfield. As where he, he didn't go out to the right hand side, he was he was looking um, just at the halfway line, and it, he didn't have a single option. Speroni didn't have a single option to throw the ball. Yeah. Every single time the Chelsea gets get every single time, and this is every single team apart from us, right? They give their left and their right back, which is very very schoolboy, right? Give the goalkeeper an option. Every single team that comes out, just watch. You watch the next game. When their goalkeeper's got the ball, their left and right back will ping straight out, right, and and give an option to that goalkeeper. So that goalkeeper doesn't have to do what we, what what Julian Speroni consistently has to do, and that is hoof the ball down yeah. the field and give away possession. Yeah, that annoys the crap out of me. I totally agree, mate. I totally agree. It's one of the one of the worst things. Is is well, you know why we do. It. You know what. You know. That it's about trying to. Sometimes you have to play percentages if you're not a great team. And 20, 22 percent. <laughs> yeah, twenty eight, twenty eight percent, mate. Twenty two. Was it? Oh, twenty eight. No, plays seventy two. I think sometimes you have to play percentages. The percentage ball for Spironi rolling it out to a is a hoof. A left back on his right, on it, who's comfortable on his right foot. <laughs> I don't know, or a right back who's uh, you know who's more of a centre back. I don't. Know. I'm being a bit critical, but you know what I mean. It's. No, you're it's, not being critical. What this is this mm. is what every single team does. Every single manager will turn around and say to his right and left back and to one of his centre backs if they're playing four four two or they're playing four at the back, give your goalkeeper an option because the chances are as soon as the goalkeeper gets the ball, the yeah. majority of the opposition are trying to get back to their positions to set up. Yeah, so they're listen, all been going backwards. At the same I don't time, think why we don't do that. I think at the same, I think what we want to avoid doing. Because you know it take it'll only take one time to doing this, but what we want to avoid doing is putting ourselves under pressure. Now I know it's stupid to say it because half the time a hoof upfield takes one header and you're back under pressure again. I know exactly what you're gonna say. But if you if you roll the ball out to a fullback who has three people on him and no one's giving him an option ahead of him, I mean it's effectively to change a philosophy, a change a system. But and it shouldn't be, I, it shouldn't I, be on it. I agree with you that I, I, it's something I would love to see, but I do understand why we don't do it. Uh, and I do want to get Mark involved because he, he does want to speak. Mark? Yeah, I was just I mean, Chelsea were, uh, you know, individually a class above us. No doubt, I agree with you totally, Chris. Uh, and they've spent all that money and, and they have the players and to prove it. I mean, the thing I noticed I was most impressed with when I was watching Chelsea because they had so much possession was they always... Everyone who had the ball had like two or three options. All their players who didn't have the ball would run into a space. I never saw any Palace players. When when a Palace player had the ball, whoever they passed to, there was already somebody player standing next to them. The beautiful thing about when Chelsea had the ball is they were able to play it from one side to the other and, and, and all the players would run into space. Whereas our players just run, instead of trying to get away from their marker and go into space... And there was a lot of space out there because there was two less players. There was plenty of space. I'm surprised we didn't play a wider game uh, and we didn't press higher up the pitch and use the width more. But I think, anyway, sorry. I say I think that's the exact difference between the two teams in terms of their ability. I think we lacked the basic. No one heard that burp there. Quiet. Uh, I did. The, <laughs> no, the basic. 
level of ability to use that space, it was so much more conducive to Chelsea's game than it was ours. Because we, we're about occupying... The way we defend, we almost occupy space and try and shut down angles and let the opposition give the ball away rather than necessarily win it. That's why you get a lot of interceptions for the likes of Jedinak and, and you know Ward gets a lot of interceptions as well. And you know, I guess Ledley and MacArthur probably do. I think that's the way we shut. We try and shut down space, and all of a sudden it's a bigger pitch, and you're trying to shut down space that you can't. And that's what we did. We stood off the challenge for. You know, way too long in that in that second half, and got absolutely slaughtered for it. But going back to you, um, so basically, I do agree with what you're saying, Mark. But I think the reason is just talent, just ability. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. But it was it was amazing to see um, it kind of it at Sellers Park. You know, rather than a rough and tumble style sort of game that you know we normally get involved in. Just this this as as you were sort of alluding to, sort of Spain 2010. There were just it was just flowing football, wasn't it? And they could just pick up the pace at any time they wanted. And, and it was almost like watching a practice match because mm-hmm. they had so much time and they could, you know, they could play it left, play it right, down the field, back, you know, what, yeah. the, 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 everything that was, was open to them. And that was just by players, purely intelligent players, making space. And we don't do that. No, we don't, and we we can we can get more we get better and we get more confident. That's got a lot to do with it. There's you know in terms of players making the best of their ability, but at the same time, you know those players cost an awful lot of money, a lot more than yeah. our players cost, and that, that's a lot of the reason for it. So going going back to you, Joe, I don't know if you still remember what we were talking about. Yeah, I do. And I, I, I was going to raise the point that Mark said is that, and, and this is the difference between good teams and really good teams is that every time an opposition player has the ball, he will have an option to go either side, left or right, forwards, or if he shut down quickly, backwards. He will always have that, and Chelsea always had that. But what makes it, what makes it easier is when we come out in the second half and go 4-5-0 and, and Campbell ends up on the wing, and then what we do, and like I said to you, I wanted to take a photo of this, our entire bank of four and five were compacted in 15 yards off of our they were off of our, the edge of our area and sitting back Chelsea it was embarrassing Chelsea there wasn't a player within 15 yards of John Terry when he's standing way into his own half yeah now, I couldn't I, I, I that's why and I'll tell you now I, I can't remember hearing, hearing this so early in a game people booing um, I don't. What I, the only thing I can really say to that is that I, I felt that the only time we looked, we changed that, the only time we put them back under pressure was when they took their foot off the gas. I'd say probably eighty minute mark, they just they just dropped a little bit deeper and they stopped moving quite so much. They like they were conserving a bit of energy. What out of boredom? Give us a I game. Think, yeah, hey, yeah. Have the ball and give us it a was, game. It, it was almost that, yeah. But I think basically what happened, we, you know, we got a couple of challenges in, but they they basically sat back and decided that they were going to conserve a bit of energy, um, and we hadn't really chased them around much. And all of a sudden, we made a couple of substitutions, uh, particularly bringing on Wilf. But I think Gediora coming on for uh, MacArthur, although it wasn't a planned substitution, I think that had a quite a big impact. It's so um, direct, isn't it? Yeah, so really that's is. what you needed at that point, just to literally get his head down and run at people, because that's what Ged- that's what got our goal, didn't it? With Will. Ged- um, the other thing about Gediora is he never lets us down. He never no. lets us down. He's, I, I, I've I really never seen him have a bad game. I've never seen him have a bad game for. Well, he ain't had many in the eighteen months we've had him, but <laughs> when he's played, he ain't let us down. 
No, not at all. Uh, we'll come back and we'll talk about the substitution. I'm very aware, obviously, we've overrun, but it's been, I think it's been a very interesting discussion on the show tonight. And obviously, yeah, hopefully you're enjoying it at home. Um, but I do, I'm going to pick up on a bit of contact before I do. Um, Simon Goddard was saying earlier on that Wilf and Belassi would scare the, I think he means Bejesus, not Jebesus, out of most defences. But um, can we really play both in the Premier League? It's an interesting question. I think we can. Um, uh, someone agreeing with you, Joe. I can't read that one out. Um, Jednak <laughs> <laughs> uh, has most interceptions in league. That was said to you, Joe, in response to. Um, and then he's giving it away that. more than anyone else. That's that, that's Joe's reply. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tony, Tony's uh, suggesting how about Gadiori instead of Jednak then. Um, exactly, David. Exactly. And I'll Davis. tell you, you said that to me. They, Tony Johnson said that. That, that was exactly the person who tweeted it. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Is there uh, anyone that agrees with you? Uh, CPFC Dave says, Wait, "Don't condone pitch invasions." But did you see the guy have a pop at Remy? What did? Oh, he was an ugly did, geezer, though, wasn't he? What happened? If we're going to send someone on, at least make him good looking. Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see anyone want to care to fill me in. Nah, he's just a dick who got on the pitch and got his. I think he got grabbed and roughed up by a few stewards. And right. you, don't, off. you don't go on the field, simple as. Anyone that goes on the field deserves the deserves everything they get. Usually they get a kick in now off the players, don't they? It's allowed. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, anyway, you don't want to see that. There's no there's no need to go on the pitch. No matter how angry you are, you are just shout at something or walk off or punch something uh, inanimate. Don't don't invade the pitch, for God's sake. Um, Simon Goddard again saying that Wilf needs some serious game time to ensure he sees the benefit of being back at Sellers Park. Don't get why he's not playing. I genuinely well, we see the we see the benefit of the one and a half mil we've given Man United. <laughs> yeah. Um, ref uh, Tony Johnson's actually put out the ref called Damo number twenty seven. So if you go back to that and the what Nick Warnock was saying about him calling John Terry John, it's like John, come on, you know, don't don't tackle like that. Number twenty seven. Come in, come in. <laughs> bingo. Your time is up. Out. Yeah, bingo. Um, <laughs> uh, Rob Morgan says that uh, Loref got a lot right that the crowd were going ballistic about when those people get home and see it on TV they do realise and that's the point I was making earlier on that you do say up until I'd say up until the uh, the sort of, the sort of point where he started really really going sort of favouring Chelsea he hadn't actually got too much wrong and at the game it did seem a lot worse than it was but I think you know I think there's a point. There's a, he, he, I think you know. I'm not going to defend him. You know, I'd say key decisions he got right, but the overall performance was a shocker. Mm. Um, Rich Smith says absolutely spot on about the ref. Looked like he wanted the Chelsea players' autographs. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lovely way of putting it. Signed his shirt afterwards. Uh, Dave's agreeing with me, saying that the ref had a mare, but seeing it on TV, he did get most things right. Um, but Sesk uh, and JT were both lucky. I think that's the that's the point. John Terry was lucky to get away what he did, and Fabregas was very lucky to stay on the pitch. Um, there's various other discussions going on. So Anthony Peacock says, "Recall Rambo uh, to cover as the centre back." I don't know if Barnsley would be too happy about that. Oh, um, me- media, yeah, I do as well. Miss him. Can we get him on again? <laughs> yeah, can we just get him on for old get him on every stage? get him on every week? Yeah, I'm yeah, sure he would. We'll speak to again, him again soon. I'm sure I'll find out he's getting on at Barnsley. Uh, media Asia is talking about that. Uh, interesting, the goal, goalkeeper and fullback options. As the entire Palace Academy forced goalkeepers to roll the ball to defenders, only the first team don't do this. There you go, Joe. Well, yeah, only our first team don't do it. Everyone else uh, does it. Yeah, I thought you'd be more excited by that, but I'm sure. No, but it's not. But it's not. It's, it's schoolboy, isn't it? I'm just saying, it's his schoolboy. I'm sorry. Hoofing the ball is what Stoke did. Five years ago, even they don't do that anymore. What's going on? 
Mm. You know? we, certainly, we certainly need uh, some better options there. And if it involves having confident and able people in terms of receiving. No, it doesn't. Well, it, 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 means it, needs your, it needs your right and left back being more positional, being more, having more sense, positional sense. Being proactive. You know, when, when, the, when your goalkeeper gets the ball, you give him an option, which means you're supposed to be 40 yards away on the line, giving him an option. And then it stretches the play straight away. It can do, yeah. But like I say, you, what you don't want it. You, well, I don't know. I still think it's fear of putting ourselves under pressure that makes us do it. We're uh, in the Premier I, League. We're right, in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. It's just not the Championship anymore. Yeah, but we've still got a gap to close, in my view, before we can start playing like we are uh, in South Brighton. But, you know. It's just... <laughs> that gap's getting bigger every week, isn't it? Yes, doesn't it just, eh? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think we better uh, end this very, very shortly. So, uh, just the last few bits on the game for us uh, there were some what if moments in that game where, where you think what if Delaney keeps his call what if Fraser Campbell tucks one of those chances away um, I thought people very down on the second half and with good reason but I think the first half proved 11 v 11 we had a system and we had a game plan that was limiting them and providing us with chances and I think I've got got over the rawness of that defeat and, and shall we say the boredom of watching some of that in the second half um, which was a very very hard watch um, I'm sure a lot of people just just didn't Chris, want to. go on. Sorry, can I just say, like, I, I think the way we started, everyone can be very proud of, and I, I'm personally very pleased with the way that we did start. I think the front most frustrating for me and a lot of people is just the way that we reacted to perhaps going to ten men and, and what, the, what the management decided to do and how they decided to. It just seemed very rushed. It wasn't planned. It was being proactive, and it just, I just, you know, I just looked there and went, you know, you should have a plan for this. You should, you should know. You should. Because Tony Pulis, and I hate to look back, he would have known exactly what he was going to do at that point. And I, I do love Neil Warnock. I think he's a fantastic guy. But we need that person next to him who's going to give him a right old kick up the bum and say, look, mate, let's, let's get on with this and let's do it. Um, Al, Al, yeah. I, can I just say something? Do you think that Glenn would have scored one of them two chances? Um, do, you think, do you say Glenn Murray? Yeah, I'm asking Alex. Do you think Glenn would have scored one of them two chances? I think he would have scored both. <laughs> <laughs> right, no, point, no point talking to you about that anymore. No, honestly, I, I no, I don't think he would have done. But I think it brings you a, a different different outlet. And to be honest, I It'd think certainly be good if he's getting on those crosses that you were talking about wanting, Joe. Um, I, I very the last thing I did want to talk about was the sub subs because a few people have got angry about Warnock subs and a few people are saying that they didn't understand them. Um, uh, the Ledley one was a bit weird. I'll give you that. Um, obviously, so. Who came on? It was yeah. It was, Mar- it was Mar- Mar- Mariapa came on for Ledley, didn't he? Uh, so then Mariapa went to centre back, did he? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, Mariapa went to left back, didn't he? Went no, to he right back and Kelly to centre back. Yeah, no, not. I think it's no, Mariapa was no, playing centre half. Right no, MacArthur went right back. MacArthur went right back. Yeah, MacArthur went right back before he went off for uh, Gradiora injured. But yeah, that was that was the weird one. It took off Ledley to bring on Mariapa and put MacArthur at right back. When you would have thought, okay, you could have just stuck Ledley at left back, moved Ward to right back, and then you know what I mean? It just it just everyone got a bit confused about that, and I, and I was certainly one of those people who did. And then I think it did get shifted around, and then MacArthur got injured. And then the HF started singing Wilf song, and then all of a sudden Wilf had his tracksuit top off. <laughs> yeah, I thought, what? Yeah. that was bizarre. Thing- do you think um, that he was his hands was forced uh, Neil Warnock yesterday, or do you crowds. think he, he no? Do you think no? Do you think 
it, no, by what went on, by the sending off, by the injuries. Yeah, I don't. And, I think, and and or do you think he was tactically inept? That's kind of. Or do you no, think there's, that there's nothing inept. to me? There's nothing inept about it. Nothing inept no. at all. There's no. He hasn't. He's not. What he did was, on possibly. Let's say possibly he. he you could have argued it a different way. Possibly he doesn't know that Joe Ledley's played a lot of games at left back, or pr- possibly he doesn't think of him in that same way. Well, he's got but Keith Miller next to him. He can bloody yeah. tell him. But no, I'm just saying. Like perhaps he just perhaps he just thought Ledley was having an ineffective game. Perhaps you know what I mean. I, I'm not saying. I'm just saying that there's a lot of different ways of looking at the game, yeah, and a lot sure. of different reasons. He would have made those changes the way he did for a good reason. He wouldn't have just thought, "Oh, I've got no one who can." Oh, Jesus Christ! I've got no one who can play there. Yeah, but there was, but there was a lot of people. Wow. Who, say who was that? That was a that was a random northerner that wasn't Warner. <laughs> it didn't go well. People who were very happy, not very happy about what Neil Warnock did. Well, that's, in term, no, so I'm just get, getting on to that. Let's point. just say it didn't lose us a game, did it, Mark? So anyway, um, but obviously, yeah. So on, so on the the seventy minute mark, uh, he brought on so half a punch, in which I thought the game was crying out for beforehand. Uh, and obviously that was done at the same time as, as the Gadiora challenge, uh, substitution for the injured MacArthur. But that only happened sort of at uh, the same time because we took seven minutes to the ball to get out of play, um, which was horrible to watch. I don't know. It just In the end, you sort of like had both teams' managers saying, put it out so we can play this, you know, get the right number of people on the pitch. But um, I just I don't know. I thought well, Zaha had such an impact. And, and like we said before, Gadiora had a real positive impact as well. That it makes you think... You know, it makes you naturally think, what if we had made those changes earlier or what if these players had played from the start? But I say the game's it's a different game at that point, isn't it? A fresh player coming off the bench can always have a, a bigger impact than one who started. So I don't know too much to think about that other than once more you look down the bench and you can see a whole manner of options that you think would have potentially done better. But I still think when you come to the end of that game and we've lost 2-1 to, to a team that are absolutely steamroller in the division at the moment, uh, and played really, really well when it was 11 v 11. I think you, you shouldn't be anything other than positive about it, um, despite the fact it was a hard watch in that second well, half. Look, to be honest, Chris, we went into that game, most people went into that game thinking we would kind of come out with zero points um, and get played off the park. Um, and it took, arguably, controversial decisions to change the game and the way it was going. You know, if it was 11 v 11, who knows what the end score would have been? Who knows? Um, and that, that we have to we have to face that now and move on and say look you know, let's be positive if we play like we did for the first twenty minutes against West this game against West Brom we'll win comfortably so we just need to retain that sort of level of performance and and be wise in the decisions that we make and and be calculated we'll win comfortably against <laughs> against against Berahino scoring for fun okay. if we played like we did for the first twenty minutes mate I think so how many defenders we got left in the squad. Oh yeah, that's the other thing I was going to ask. Who, who do you, uh, who do you put in the defence now? Delaney's banned. Uh, oh, Zeki Fry's at left back, Ward at right back, and stick Kelly in the middle. There we go. Yeah, there Sack you go. Joe, well, <laughs> if that ever happens, uh, for some freak of nature, like my, every single football manager in existence, I'll do it for free. Was, I'll do, I'll do it for free. Even if you did it for free, I would still not watch Palace. You would do. What if oh, I did it, Chris? Would guarantee you'd ask me for tickets. Neither of you. <laughs> I'm, I'm a professional oh, Sunday no, League manager. Uh, yeah. No, Joe, you're right. I would ask you for tickets. That's true. Actually, no, I'd, want, I'd come and be your assistant. Or your physio, maybe. Glenn Murray would start. <laughs> you're the advocate for a physio. <laughs> <laughs> Should we go? Yeah. <laughs>
Um, I really, I do want to uh, just pick out a couple of forward reviews from the uh, early on. Uh, Nick Gillard said, boringest second half ever. Doug Tibbetts, seven minutes without tackling. Trish Mitchell, 74, unhappy with referee. Stand in, sun, st- uh, stand in the Sun says something S word referee, S word referee. Uh, Luce says Damo was very naughty. John Vince says uh, gave it a good go. Um, and Charlie Blight on Facebook said growing injury list concerns. So that's just a handful of the many forward reviews. Uh, had loads of contact I didn't get to today. Really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to my co presenters, even Mark, for shouting over everyone at various different times. And uh, <laughs> we'll see you not, again. Not that Dale does that, of course. No, no. Never. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so uh, I think next week we're uh, trialing a show from an actual new studio in Airport House, Pearly Way. Exciting, very, very exciting. You're correct. Um, so we'll see you. Uh, see, we'll see you. I hate saying that because you won't see you, will we? Technology hasn't advanced to that level yet. Yeah, um, we don't want video. <laughs> no, no, no one wants that. Anyway, so uh, back next week. Bye. Cheers. Cheers. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.